And thanks for listening to the God Loves You period, the podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Terry. And I'm Amy. And this month for February 2024, if you're listening live to this podcast as we drop it every Monday, we're dealing with a heavy topic. We're talking about racism and the work of anti-racism as a spiritual discipline. A group for our church went on the Civil Rights Pilgrimage Tour in St. Augustine done by uh, Reverend David Williamson and Reverend Laverne March. And we invited them to have a fairly lengthy the conversation with us on the work of anti-racism and uh, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and do that. And so we've got four episodes here uh, that we would love for you to take a listen to. And instead of doing the fun, get to know you questions, because we are wonderful and fun people, no. this topic's a little bit heavier than normal. So we're just going to go straight into it Open. with Pastor Laverne and Pastor David. Thanks for listening. Yeah, um, just because this is this may be a little bit out of left field, but I just I'm curious why you think, uh, and this to anybody, why you think America has such a hard time letting go of the past. I I think I'm a big World War II buff, and I think about post-war. It was immediately the the Nazi symbols were run out of town, blown up. There's videos of you know the the Reichstag, whatever, those signs blown up, taken down, and not talked about today in Germany, and yet we struggle with something that was arguably uh, started much, much longer ago. Can you clarify your question? Why does America have a hard time letting go of what history? Of those those symbols. Confederate symbols. uh, Jason, I I would say a lot of groups do, Mm. but I'm interested to hear their answer. I I was going to add before you ask your question, I was going to add, you know, one of the beautiful things about not destroying the monuments is they didn't destroy Auschwitz. No. So you could or go Dachau and you could see and you could remember how terrible humanity was. But I, I don't want to hear why they think. And I would that, argue that some of these symbols are not being used and utilized in the way that Auschwitz is as a no, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's a right. point that's of shame. Uh huh. But but the I mean, I think of like Lakeland, Florida, when they removed the in Munn Park the Confederate monument and and in those places. And I don't know if we approach those as symbols of shame um, in the past. Yeah, that's years. that's exactly my point. Amy. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I'll let Pastor David go first. <laughs> I have some thoughts. Um, a couple of uh, a couple of thoughts on that, but I'll let Pastor Dave go first. Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I will say I will say that I'll put it in this this way. What is it about my heritage and my cultural identity? that is hard for me to acknowledge and release or let go. Mm. And it's it's usually the places of deep pain and regret, embarrassment. Um, and maybe it's also on the flip side of that, a, a desire to or a, a fear that if I release that, then who am I? And 
that I would lose my whole kind of identity and my, you know, who I am. Mm. And what helps me again with that is again, my remembrance of who I am in Christ and remembrance of my baptism that I, my, my identity is that I am a part of, uh, of God's beloved community that, that I am a, a beloved child of God, B, um, called to be belong to a community of people um, whom God loves that that maybe I struggle to love, and so it's it's a um, yeah a sh the shift for me is to to think more centered in my cultural identity as a person who belongs to Jesus rather than who must protect this heritage of Southern uh, culture at all costs. Um, and, and when I know that I belong to Jesus and belong to Jesus's beloved community, I am no longer in competition with other people. Mm. Um, I live in abundance. I know that I I have everything I need. And so I can let go and release things and not be less of a person. In fact, I, when, when I learned that it is in giving that I receive, you know, it is in dying that I am, I am born mm. to, to life. So that helps me with the releasing part and the acknowledgement part. Um, so that, that gives me, you know, our faith gives me hope for that work, I guess. Mm. I want to name too that a lot of our listeners, um, a lot of the folks, even just around the room, um, I'm from South Florida and in Fort Lauderdale, we do not claim to be from the South. And so, and I, I observe in a lot of these conversations about anti-racism, people will be quick to name, well, I'm from Pennsylvania, I'm from California, I'm from Fort Lauderdale, in a way that almost is an attempt to exonerate us from right. the work of anti-racism and put the um, the work on um, the folks like Dave and the folks like Scott who are, are cannot deny that they are Southern boys. Um, and I, I'm married to a man from Alabama. He's from a very rural part of, um, of Hartsville, Alabama. Um, and I, the work of cultural humility is something that you and... Um, Reverend March have used that word a lot throughout our pilgrimage. And I had a moment um, visiting, um, uh, it's called the Equal Justice Museum in Montgomery, Alabama. And they uh, had recently uh, erected the Peace and Justice and Reconciliation Memorial, uh, which has these steel columns that names uh, the 4,400 black people who had been lynched between the period of 1850, I believe, and 1950, uh, that time frame. And I went into it thinking, well, I'm from Fort Lauderdale. Sure, this is this is the Alabama's problem. This is Georgia's problem. This is uh, Northern Florida's problem. Um, until I had seen on the column that named Broward County two men who had been lynched in the 1940s. Um, mm -hmm. And 
it was the moment when I recognized that I am not exempt from the work of anti-racism because I am not a Southerner, because I am not, um, that I, I, I'm Cuban as well. So I, again, I was like, well, this is Americans' problems. Uh, and that that's not true too, seeing the history of colorism in, in Cuba as well. So uh, can you, as, as a wrap-up question, for those of us who are wanting to, uh, you know, diversify our, tra- I hear no matter what, people want, people yearn for, I mean, maybe not, maybe well, I'm some just- people. Some people. Some people there, I'm, I'm maybe folks my age really put a, a huge value on diversity. Um, some people are fat, dumb, and happy in their, <laughs> yes, their all white or that, all black neighborhood. For sure, that is a, a an assumption. But can you just to end our time here talk about cultural humility a little bit? So the first um, thing that I'll jump in on is um, I appreciate you for naming that, Amy. Um, yeah, and the thing is, is Dr. King talks about we are all born in this big house, right? Mm-hmm. We are all, um, we were all born, of course, first of all, we we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but we have all been born with a propensity to hate and what we've been taught and caught again. Um, from the time, I can't speak for you, but from the time that a lot of people were born, we have uh, gone to school and we have seen in our schools uh, all of the people that were in authority were usually white males or uh, around the 1960s or whatever when we begin to get rights to vote and stuff we begin to see white women or white men in power your teachers were white Mm -hmm. your preachers were white everybody in authority um over you or with you you that you saw them through your eyes as uh, through your lens as white. So that's something that's been caught. And that's something that's, uh, 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 that's implicit that, um, Oh, okay. So I, I, so sometimes it could come, you you approach the reason you need humility is because you approach it from being a, um, always the person in authority, the one with the answers, the one to be able to tell you or to show you or to direct you, right. Instead of being a learner. Mm -hmm. And so when those things have been caught, right, uh, it lends itself to implicit biases, right, uh, that you're not even aware of that subconsciously uh, this is the way stuff ought to be because this is the way it has been. And that's why I said what Barack Obama did to African-American people and African-American little boys and girls, he made it possible. Or Actually, we thought our parents had to say to us, Uh, You can be the president of the United States and one day you're going to be the president of the United States. But because there was no representation, because we never saw anyone that looked like us be a Mm -hmm. president of the United States, we thought it was a pipe dream. So when Barack Obama became the first president of the United States, we then knew that it was possible. And I'm sure at first it it was um, it it was um, kind of not real or. It was unusual to see someone black having to hold, being able to hold the highest office in the land. And for other people, it became scary, mm. right, of what that was going to be. So I say it has to take humility uh, on both parts, right, because I, I, I can only imagine uh, you guys have been in a position of authority, of leading, uh, and all of that. And so to take a seat to even realize that other folk, other cultures, 
uh, 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 can teach as well. And I know that's something we say, but what we've lived has been so different that it takes something for black and white uh, to be able to have that cultural humility uh, for me to be able to, I know there's some spaces that we want to see a lot of black, we want to see cultural diversity, but what does that mean? Do you want to see a lot of black folk come into your church? Are you prepared to, mm-hmm. to be able to integrate some of the cultures? Are you prepared to uh, be able to allow them to come into leadership? What does it look like when you're saying you want diversity? Do you want diversity of thought? Do you want just the diversity of ethnicities? Uh, uh, diversity and and what it looks like on your leadership team. So I think we need to define what it is that we really want when we say we want diversity. Mm. And then if we really want that uh, revelation uh, that 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 when John saw a place where there was all different tongues and nationalities of people, different ethnic groups, I think both parts will have to take a cultural uh, humility for uh, for myself. I'll speak a uh, self-focus and folk I've been around. There was a long time that we didn't think because of that scripture that he that knoweth not God uh, for God is love. And then when we looked at our culture, the way in which some of a lot of the African-Americans praise God uh, and stuff like that, we we thought that maybe others weren't as close to God as we were, right? And so on that tip, it takes a cultural humility to be able to uh, merge all of the, uh, to be able to relearn some other things, learn and relearn some other things. So, um, so I would say self-evaluation and self-reflection right for me self-reflection challenge our assumptions and then listen with empathy and really go to your teams and say what do you really want when you're saying you want diversity thank you thank you that's very helpful as we as we continue to do this work and i would say we at first united and the gathering place are at the the beginning stage of this work you know we have a long way to go yeah my friend erwin my friend erwin and i were talking yesterday uh, he's heavily involved in some anti-racism work about are you it's practice the last two are practice David did you know this there are three categories you're in congregations are in it's reality practicing and some I can't remember that gummit that's why I shouldn't be involved in these kind of things <laughs> but First United is moving from being aware to starting to practice the work of anti-racism and the goal is, is to be there hey but we do I just saw what time was we kind of need to wrap up uh, on this to be fair to time uh, Pastor Dave and Pastor Lavar, we are greatly appreciative of this we're going to put some stuff in the show notes uh, Dave are you fine if we put a way to contact you you in the show notes yep yep. please do uh do that and and, uh just as i said we'll be talking about this more at at first united and the gathering place over the year uh the thing that did most impact me is how we're not aware of what's going on around us Mm -hmm. um and one of the first things to do is to open our eyes to see uh, and so there's some already some folks in our church that are doing work about where were the lynchings in Volusia County and where are some things that we can do on that. And I would wager actually that you have to open your heart to care. Right. There's yeah. a lot of people that see what you see and don't see it the way you see it and True. feel like they're seeing it. It doesn't right? impact like, them in and they're the same like, way. I don't care about that. Yeah. So their heart needs to be softened to even care about the conversation and to want to hear it and learn from it and then ingest it for a while and then maybe move forward. Mm. It's such a slow process sometimes. Well, 
thank you both so much. Um, we appreciate your, your thoughts and, uh, sharing with us. And, um, I, I see great things for the future of the St. Augustine pilgrimage. And, and this is just the beginning. But but if I named it, I should get some royalties. I'm just going to say that. Oh just throwing that gosh. out there. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for helping us name it. <laughs> All right. Thank you all. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Great to be with you all. See you, David. See you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the God Love You, period, the podcast. We just want to remind you to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you find our podcast. Do us a favor and share it with a friend. Yeah. Um, as we said in our introduction that uh, the next four weeks, we are uh, talking about the work of anti-racism and faith. Uh, it is Black History Month as well. The Gathering Place is doing a whole series called Beloved Community on faith, justice, and mercy. So this is very relevant, not just uh, in February, but uh, as a part of our spiritual life. So we hope that you would share with those who it would be meaningful to. And leave us a review on iTunes if it's a five-star review. If it's less than five, please don't do anything. Yeah, forget us. Don't Thanks so much us. for being with us. That's the most important thing you could do. Bye-bye.